1 Timothy 6 verse 12 says, we are to fight the good fight of faith. If we're being told to fight the good fight, there, are, there is obviously a fight to be had. Amen? But we don't do this physically. We actually do this spiritually by putting on the full armor of God which is spiritual armor. And I'm going to read the portion of scripture that we've been reading over the last few weeks, Ephesians 6, verses 10 to 18. And I'm going to read the scriptures again because we cannot get enough of it. It says, be strong with the Lord's strength. Put on the things God gives you to fight with. So God's given us everything we need. Put on the things God gives you to fight with. Then you will not fall into the traps of the devil. Our fight is not with people. It is against the rulers and spiritual powers of darkness in this world. It is against the demonic world that works in the heavens. Because of this, put on the full armor of God that he provides. Then you will be able to stand. And when it is all over, you will still be standing. So stand up and do not be moved. It goes on to say, wear a belt of truth around your body. It holds everything together. Wear a breastplate upon your chest, which is being righteous before God. Wear shoes on your feet, which are the good news of peace. But then it also goes on to say this, most important of all. And I reckon if the Bible says most important of all, I'm actually going to have a little look and dig a bit deeper into what is most important of all. Most important of all, you need to use a shield of faith in front of you, protecting you as you advance. I love that. I love that. Most important of all, you need to use a shield of faith in front of you, protecting you as you advance. This is to put out the fiery darts, the fiery arrows of the enemy. This is powerful. This is so good. Everybody say, so good. Because what this shows us is that the shield of faith is not just there for our protection. Because you think of protection as hovering and it's actually there also for our advancement. Isn't that amazing? I just think that is so, I love the way this translation explains it. And what we're going to do is we're going to show you a picture of a Roman centurion and his shield. Now, this isn't your normal, usual looking shield, because normally we think of it a bit like this shape, you know, and just here, like about half this size. But look how massive that shield is. So in doing this, I've done a little bit of research on the centurion. I've been watching documentaries and all sorts. There are people that literally have given their lives to learning about this. Literally, archaeologists and the such. But what was amazing about these shields is that they were rectangular, as you can see. They were really large, much larger than the normal shield. Not only were they taller, they were wider. And their edges were curved. And then right in the middle of this sword was a metal fixture known as the boss. Literally, that's what it's translated into English. It's called the boss. You see that there? This is what enabled a Roman centurion who was in battle to protect himself, but then 
push the shield into his opponent and cause his opponent to be knocked onto the floor so that he could then continue to advance while protecting himself. I just thought that was amazing because the shield of faith that we have, it's not just for protection. It's so we can actually push back the forces of darkness that come against you and actually knock him to the ground whilst we continue to take ground. We can still take ground while we're in a battle. We can still take ground while we are, start, while we are trying to protect ourselves. Amen. How incredible is that? So the shield was not only a protective piece of armor, but a piece that you could forcefully knock your enemy to the ground with whilst being under attack. That means, that, you know, I just look at Jesus. Jesus' life in the Garden of Gethsemane, he was under attack for sure. But he still pushed forward and knocked the enemy back by going to the cross. When he was in hell, it might have looked like it was all over. He was still under attack, but he pushed back the forces of darkness forever by raising up. Yeah. Amen? Yeah. By his resurrection power. Yeah. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. So I know in a room this size, there are going to be people here where the fight is on. Yeah. But we've been singing how we're going to do our fight. Yeah. We've been singing about how we're going to have a melody, a sound of praise. Yeah. We have been, we've been declaring what we are going to do in the fight. Amen? Yeah. We're going to be, we've been declaring that we're going to receive his grace. We're going to remind ourselves of his grace in the fight and in the battle. Yeah. 1 John 5 verse 4 says, For everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. So this strongly implies that there will be things we need to overcome and battles we need to be victorious in which means we are going to be in a battle. Just because you give your life to Jesus does not mean that you're not going to have any battles or fights. But what I'm saying is, and what I encourage you with, is the fact that, yes, we've got the battles, we've got the fight, but we've got all the armor. And I would rather go into a battle with the armor on as opposed to without Jesus and no armor on. Because it doesn't matter with Jesus or without Jesus. The Bible says the foolish man built his house on the sands, the wise man built his house on the rock, and the storm came to both. But the one who built his house on the rock was still standing. And that's what Ephesians is telling us to do, to put on the armor of God so that in the battle, in the times of battle and challenges, we will still be standing. Amen? Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Amen. God is so good. Faith in Jesus Christ will see you through. Faith in Jesus Christ will hold you, will guide you, will cause you to not lose your marbles and keep your peace. Little English saying, you lose your marbles, means you lose your peace. <laughs> Ephesians 3 verse 20, I don't know what you're going through, but Ephesians 3 verse 20 tells us that God is, can do exceedingly abundantly above all you could ask or think. So what do you believe in God for? He can do exceedingly abundantly above. And it's going to take faith. And the wonderful thing is that faith... If we, um, Romans 12 verse 3 says that God has given to every single one of us a measure of faith. So we've all got faith. But the question is, what are we going to do with it? Are we going to just use the faith that God has put in every human being just to cross a bridge and get on a plane? Or are we actually going to use that faith to tap in to the spiritual realm and actually cause that, you know, believe God that what he has paid a price for, we can actually access. It's not our works. It's not popular culture. 
It's faith in God's word. It's faith in God's truth. And what we put our faith in makes a massive difference. It makes a massive difference. If we just put our faith in what we see, what we hear in our five senses, if that's all, then we are going to be in despair. But we don't have to do that as children of God. We can put our faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ himself. So it really just takes a little bit of faith. You know, every single one of us that gave our lives to Jesus, there was a little bit of faith there. And we gave our lives to Jesus. But that's not where it finishes. Our spiritual journey in Christ starts with faith and it continues with faith. And we are to mature and grow up spiritually in our faith. Amen? Because we're to live by faith. It's not start at salvation and end. No, there's such an incredible adventurous journey to be had living by faith. Galatians 2 verse 20 in the New King James Version says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Ephesians 2 verse 8 says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourself, it is the gift of God. Because of God's grace, his undeserved favor, you and I have received everything we need to live a godly life here on earth. We really have. Ephesians 1 to 5 actually lays out beautifully what God actually put in place for us through salvation and because of his grace. So if you liken it to grace, is God has given us everything we need. He's deposited into our spiritual account everything we need to live a godly life here on earth. Undeserved favor. We didn't deserve it. It's unmerited. It's, it's, it's insanely unconditional love. It's just crazy what he has done for us. So he's provided everything for us because of his grace. Now, what does faith do? Faith accesses everything grace has provided. And that grace, it's like we bring it from the spiritual invisible realm and we bring it into our working out of our lives here on earth. For example, peace. You can have the most dreadful news. You can have the most dreadful circumstances. But there can be this inner peace. So the peace is not visible. The circumstances are visible. But the peace is spiritual, what God's grace has provided. And so we can access through faith that peace, and it can be ours. We access what is in the spiritual and invisible so that it helps us in the here and the now and the physical. Amen. So in the moments that I've got, I just want to basically just encourage you with faith. Faith is not limited to our five senses because it's not physical. It's spiritual. So it's not based on feelings. Feelings are circumstance-based, circumstance-driven, which is why our feelings are not our faith. We don't deny our feelings. We don't deny the circumstances. But what we're doing is we're accessing, because through faith, what grace has provided. Faith is consistent. Faith is consistent. You don't, the faith doesn't go up and down, up and down, up and down. Our feelings go up and down, up and down, and down. But faith does not. Faith is yeah. consistent. Yeah, it's, so good. it's beautiful. Yeah. Faith isn't a roller coaster. Our feelings are, and we've got to get our feelings in line with faith, which is consistent. Faith protects. We see what that shield does. It quenches the fiery arrows of the enemy. 
the missiles, one of the translation calls it. And this faith, faith is a supernatural force for good. Fear is a spiritual force, but so is faith. And they're opposite poles of the spectrum. And faith is a supernatural spiritual force for good in your life, in my life, in the lives of our loved ones. Amen. And simply put, faith is acting as if God's word is true. Why? Because it is. It is true. And we need to know the truth. John 8 verse 32 says that you shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. So it's the truth that you know sets you free. If you don't know the truth, it can't set you free. It doesn't have the ability or the opportunity to work in your life and set you free, which is why we need to meditate on the Word of God. It's the truth that you and I know that will set us free. Faith has to be based on God's Word, on His truth. We need to be searching for truth, searching for God's perspective, not the culture's perspective. Faith is always, always tied to truth, to God's word, to his perspective. His perspective comes from his word. And sometimes it can be so confusing because we hear this and there's so many voices shouting other things. But we need to hear the voice of God and get his perspective. You know, I don't know if any of you have watched the movie Inception with Leonardo DiCaprio. You see, I am not an Inception kind of movie girl. I am the Pride and Prejudice kind of girl. Yeah. I I cannot tell you how many times I have watched Pride and Prejudice. I know it off by heart. I seriously do. Like sometimes we'd be watching and I would say the sentence before they even said it. That's how I, I've even read the book. I've seen the BBC version, which was great because that's very true to the book. But the Kieran Knightley one was equally lovely. So, but the Inception, I watched Inception with Mark and I was so confused. I was so confused with the movie. Like, and I just had to keep looking to him for clarity and I was you know, a bit perplexed. I needed yet another cup of tea because it was traumatizing me. But what I did pick up with this movie was that he had a role and he was present, this was the real life, then he would go to sleep and have a dream. And in his dream, he would make decisions that when he came back would affect his reality. But what was really interesting was that within that dream, he would then go into another dream that would then affect this dream that would affect his reality. But blow me down with a feather, he would go into another dream. So the dear man was not happy with just going to sleep and having one dream. He went into a dream within that dream and a dream within that dream. See, now you know why I was confused. But what he did when he figured out he was making decisions in these dreams that were affecting and having consequences in the reality was he took this little spinning top. And the only way he could know whether he was in a dream, within a dream, within a dream, or just a dream, within a dream, or even just a dream, was when he spun the spinning top If he was in a dream, it would keep spinning, 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 and it would never slow down and topple. He would know that he was in a dream. He knew he was in real life when he would spin the spinning top, and it would eventually start to slow down and topple over with gravity. Then he knew he was in the real world. And you know what, for you and I, you know when everything seems real, but it's not? It's the Word of God that is our spinning top. Amen. What does it say in the Word of God? I know where to go. I know what to say. I know what to do. Because it's the truth of God's Word. Amen? 
Amen, amen. Now, I actually want to just finish by saying, individually, a Roman centurion was formidable, as we saw in that first photo. But collectively, the Roman centurion was able to use their shields together to form a tactic and a maneuver that is known as the tortoise maneuver. Actually, the real word for it is testudo. Are you impressed? It's all my documentaries I've been watching on. Testudo. But basically, it was the tortoise. Now, what this enabled the soldiers to do together was protection as they advanced. And, you know, it's really powerful when you and I get that revelation of the impact of the church. If we can come together like this with our shield of faith, protecting and causing our enemy to be knocked back, advancing. But when we put them all together, when we put them all together, we have a shield of protection here. What that former picture of protecting and then advancing, protecting and advancing. And this tortoise tactic that they used, it actually enabled the Romans to be able to take castles, to take fortresses, because whilst they were being protected, they were advancing because they were doing it together. I just want to encourage all of you to get your shield of faith, but also really let's do it together. Let's not be lone rangers. Let's actually be a formidable force here in Berlin to actually advance the kingdom of God in our lives together. Amen. Amen.